What a podcast. What a show. What a way of life. TheLoftestParty.com. Big show for you today, as always. Big, big show. So much going on. We're going to be breaking it down. We're going to be laughing a little bit. We got plans of actions. I am still on the East Coast before uh, some kind of merry escape from from the, the from the lockdowns part two. Uh, that we'll be talking about that. We've got from a from a new location. I always love it when you're a new location. The Liberty Gimlet. Are you allowed to disclose where you are? I am in Savannah. Boom. <laughs> we got it. We got to give a little bit of lip service to Savannah. If you guys don't know, uh, if you're unaware, this is a town that uh, that Sherman did not destroy in yep. in the Civil War. I don't know how many others there were. I'm sure there were smaller ones, but Savannah, very very uh, big town, important port city. These giant warehouses right on the river, uh, which are still there, where they would unload yep. the cotton, blah 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 blah, and it's where they filmed uh, many of the uh, when when. Tom Hanks, when Forrest Gump's was was sitting waiting for the bus, he was that was in Savannah, Georgia. Every little like intersection has like a little square that has like a little statue, and there's parks and there's art schools, and it's uh, I think Savannah's also home. That, that's where the book uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is is set. I love yep. that town. I, I love that town. And it, what most people don't know, it was largely settled by Irish Catholics to begin with. So it has a huge cathedral in the middle of town. And that is the launching pad for St. Patrick's Day. Because we oh, have wow. the second largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the country, uh, second only to Boston. Wow. It's, uh, it's gorgeous. And I'm telling you right now, as a, as a comedian, as a guy who crisscrossed uh, the country and I've I kind of have the heads up. It's one of the things I want to do more at theloftestparty.com. I cannot recommend Savannah, Georgia enough. It's so complete. It's insanely gorgeous. It's in, you mm-hmm. cannot believe it. It's almost like, it's almost like a, a like a, a fantasy. It's like going into a really awesome part of like history world. Right. But it, it's well, just- I mean, you can literally stand on, the squares at night when it's, you know, dusk or whatever. And the, the lamplights start to come on and you literally feel like you're in like 1787. Yeah. It's, I, I can't, we're, we're not going to do a, a good job uh, for, for our listeners, but I, cause I know mm-hmm. we have international listeners, but if you guys are, if you're ever coming to the States and you're like, eh, I don't know, I don't know. What should we do? What should we do? Go out of your way. To go to Savannah, Georgia. It's a it's a great town. It's a it's also a it's a party town. There's oh yeah, holy smokes, and just so gorgeous. You go every corner. You go around every corner. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of an I, I know what I like when it comes to architecture. And there's nothing in Savannah mm-hmm. that I'm hating. There's nothing in Savannah that I'm hating. So, and you have to go to the Pink House for dessert. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the Pink House. Uh, the pink house is literally a pink house. <laughs> That's good. Um, very, very, very um, old, historically p- preserved. There's a bunch of them in Savannah that are that way. Um, and they just have like outstanding homemade desserts. You can go there for dinner too, but I just like the desserts. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, and then you got to go to Wet Willies. Wet Willies. Now this and sounds get like a, a bar. Bunch-sickle. It and is. that's uh, Wet Willie sounds like a bar, and a fudge sickle sounds like a sex act. Well, no, what it is is they've got <laughs> Slurpee machines that cover the also, entire wall, so all of also their sounds are like a. <laughs> okay, what's so what's a fudge? It sickle? tastes like a fudge sickle, but it's got like straight green alcohol in it, like most of their concoctions do. Wow, that's gonna that's you know what? Here's why you want to drink the the fudge sickle. When you barf, it's gonna be not chocolatey, right? <laughs> it's like it's the, it's the really it's the it's the reason to get hammered on peppermint schnapps. You get hammered yep. on pe- peppermint schnapps and you barf and you're like, "Wow, my breath, it's still kind of <laughs> minty." Okay. So, Georgia is the hotbed of it all. Here's what we got coming up on the show. Beyond our beyond our uh, 
our love of Savannah, Georgia. We're going to be talking about uh, the media. We're going to be talking about uh, Dominion Software. We're going to be talking about recounts. We're going to talk about the air quote peaceful uh, transfer of power. The way the media is handling this whole thing. What happened at the Million MAGA March in D.C. And there's there's Black Lives Matter and there's Proud Boy stuff. There's a whole lot of show. Elon Musk and uh, and COVID-19 and lockdowns part two and the new McPlant burger from McDonald's. And of course, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Mandalorian. So there's a lot of there's a lot of show. We got uh, we got my buddy Paul Hare is on the show. Paul is uh, is an author. He does a lot of stuff with. Uh, theloftestparty.com. Uh, he he's a, he's a writer. He's published short stories, novellas, longer things. He's got an exciting new book we're going to talk about, and it, so it's a great show. It's packed full, and then of course there will be uh, the the extra uh, Patreon stuff, which I'm quickly because I'm addicted to that. I love the the Patreon segment. So. We're not going to waste your time. We're going to have we're going to have some fun. I, it's hard to figure out. Here's what I try to do, you guys. Uh, before we do the show, I'm like, what's the most important? What's the most important? And I think uh, you'll all agree it's 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 the election and how the media is treating everything. And it's kind of it's kind of hard to wrap your brain around just the. Uh, the immenseness of it all, but we're going to, we're going to dig into some of the finer points and all this good stuff. Here's where I'm coming from. And this, this is, uh, of course I'm, I'm breaking my own rule here as, as before I even start, the election isn't over until the States certify it. Okay. So the States certify it. Uh, and then it goes up the chain of command. The, The media can say whatever they want. They can they can certainly go, hey, it, right now it looks like, you know, Biden's going to carry this state. So if, if, in fact, that is true, it would mean this many points and they can go ahead and call him the, the president elect. That's that's all well and good. I, I really don't have a, a, that big of a beef with that. Here's what really. Really got me pissed off the other day. Uh, my buddy, Brian Hayner, who's been on the show before, great dude, uh, he, he posted on Facebook, uh, and this happened last week, you guys, that Facebook changed the status of Donald Trump, the president of the United States. They changed his yeah. status to political candidate. That's where mm-hmm. – and that's – it's weird the things that like – that was just a little bit too – that was just one grain of sand too many in my underpants. That was just a step well, too far. It was such the, a dick move. He's the president of the United States until noon on January 20th. Yeah. So it's like they went out of their way. Uh-huh. That's just that's just I I will to the most part I'll play I'll play by your little make believe rules. Okay. So if indeed these votes hold up, yes, he gets this many. So, blah, blah, blah. I'll, I'll play along with the little uh, president-elect Joe Biden uh, aspect of it all. But this whole uh, Donald Trump is now a political candidate and the way Twitter is just all over him and Facebook is all over him and the censorship. We've said it before on this this show. There's some people and hopefully there's a, a bunch of optimists who listen to this show. I try to stay optimistic about everything. I'm still optimistic as we speak. But if you think that the censorship is going to suddenly stop if Joe Biden becomes president, wow. Uh, well, I, did you I see the poll? News for you. What poll? Um, it was a Washington Examiner story. I read it yesterday. And they went and polled Biden voters and said, if you had known this information about Hunter Biden's laptop, would you still have voted for Biden? And it would have been enough to push the election. The media, by selecting not to cover that story, actually changed the election outcome. And that's what I don't like. Because to me, it's not the way the media covers any given stories. It's what they choose to cover or not cover that's dangerous. Yes, Yes. Uh, and that is, and it's like, it's like a Hydra and that's what, mm-hmm. 
when you, when you know you're going to get into this argument or this discussion, and this is the favorite, this is my favorite one right now, just in terms of you'll see somebody and they'll be on a, a news program and they're like, yes, uh, there's there's election fraud, blah, 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 blah. Well, even if you get these votes overturned, it's not enough. It's not enough to, and it's like, hey, hey, that's one aspect of it. That's one aspect of it. Uh, and here's the other one that's just bugging me. So we talk about the what Facebook did to Trump. But like uh, they, they they keep saying unsubstantiated claims, you know, the Trump administration and their unsubstantiated claims isn't claims enough. Isn't isn't like why are you why do they keep adding unsubstantiated or unfounded? It's like I'm on this side. I'm saying there was voter fraud. Do you have any proof? Well, I've got this dead person who voted here and that, but well, that's not enough. And then they, they were unsubstantiated. Listen, you guys, a theory is just a theory until you prove it. A claim is just a claim until you prove it to add. It's like they're going out of their way to add unsubstantiated claims, but you've got it coming from so many different sources. It, it really, it's, it's like they're trying to shame everyone for questioning these results. And we're going to get into the Dominion software of it all. But that's what, it's that extra twist of the knife. It's that extra, listen, I'm, I've been around the block. Gimlet, you've been around the block. Well, I truly feel that when uh, Barack Obama won the election, he won that on the up and up. Like they convinced, oh, yeah. they convinced more people that uh, this guy was going to be a better president. And so I sat there on my couch and I'm like, okay, I didn't vote for him, but uh, okay, here we go. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. This one's different. This one is different. And it's, I apologize. Whoa. Go ahead, go ahead. I need to gather my thoughts. You would, you would require to suspend any disbelief that Joe Biden brought more voters to the polls than Barack Obama. Yeah. Now, granted, these are are different circumstances. Well, that's, that's where you get into the mail-in balloting of it all. Well, but I mean, it's even, even when you control for population, I mean, you're talking in some of these swing states, you had voter participation rates in the nineties. Yeah. That's insane. Completely. And that's what, and this is, uh, I'm glad you brought it up. This is like either way you slice it, it's it's not good. On one hand, you have, okay, we need to look into the very real possibility of voter fraud and election tampering and all that stuff, which we're definitely going to get into uh, here in a bit. So that's 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 in one pile. The other pile is, holy crap, if this if, let's say it holds up. Let's say there was no election tampering. Everybody just voted by mail, uh, and it was completely everybody got one vote. It's all, all it's all wonderful. That's really scary to think about. Both possibilities are terrifying because, like you were just saying with with that that poll, like oh, if we'd have known about the whole Hunter Biden laptop thing, ooh, I wouldn't have voted this way. Thirteen percent of them. It's the media and big tech. Getting a candidate like Joe Biden across the finish line. Seriously, that's that's the other unique subject. Go ahead. You have to believe that a record shattering level of participation happened to elect a man with obvious dementia. (laughs) Yes. A guy. I'm sorry. I take no joy. I take no joy. Like when I watch him speak, it reminds me of my grandmother. I lived through this. I know what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which takes you, listen, there's too many things line up after a while. You're like, am I in, am I in denial of reality? Because you feel weird about stuff, but like the whole, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi coming out and talking about the 25th amendment, you know, a couple weeks before the election. Oh, we, we do this for any president. This is not just for, for Donald Trump. This is for any president. So it's like she she's laying the groundwork there for, mm-hmm. oh, Joe, you're going to have to tap out. Oh, and then you get personal. <laughs> you what? should get a food taster. <laughs> Kamala I, Harris is a snake. Uh, I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big fan. And neither was America. 
when they no. when they looked at her on the stage. Okay, so she got she had to drop out before Iowa. She wasn't yes. even going to win her home state. Yes, that's yes. insane. Now uh, we're at the point. I'm gonna I'm about to use a phrase that I that I hate to use, which is walk and chew gum. We have to walk and chew gum here. We have to hope that. Uh, the 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 people, the president's counsel and his advocates, we have to hope that they're being smart and they're working their tails off. And uh, and I would say this to any of my uh, Democrat friends, my liberal buddies. It's like if this isn't on the up and up, you're going to want to know about it. You're like you, you we, we have to be rooted in reality. If there was election fraud, if there was election tampering, if there is something going on, we need to know about it. If we can't believe in our elections, if we don't have faith, if we can't trust our elections, uh, then we well, are completely lost. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm not going to take lectures from the people who have been calling the current president illegitimate for four years based on Russian disinformation. Yeah, you don't you don't get to have a four year long temper tantrum and then tell me what to think. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> you just you just described uh, my latest video at the Loftus Party uh, YouTube channel. It's like hold 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 the phone, hold the mm-hmm. phone. You you decided to uh, investigate the the president. You know, for this some Trump, some made up Trump Russia collusion thing, and you thought, oh, the Russians had uh, got into the election and they did something, which was completely false, and that was made up by the Clinton campaign and the CIA tried to give the FBI the heads up. I don't know if you saw Andrew McCabe testify. We'll have to give that. Oh my some. God! Wow. So, so the I CIA. I love Senator John Kennedy, though. He's the best. He's the best. He's a modern day foghorn leghorn. But mm-hmm. you, ha- you have the FBI going, the CIA tells the FBI, hey, there's nothing to this. The Steele dossier, that's horse crap. It looks like Hillary Clinton uh, and her camp, they made this up. They paid for the Steele dossier. They're doing this just so you'll investigate the, the, the Trump administration and deflect. And then you have the FBI going, OK, whatever. And they didn't even look into it. They didn't even acknowledge it. So – uh, that's terrifying. So anyway, they have this charade that goes on for two and a half, three years. It cost us, you know, $33 million. Millions. But however, the damage to, you know, Trump, it was just that constant drumbeat of he's a criminal, he's a criminal, he's a criminal. Then they followed up that with, oh, an anonymous whistleblower told me uh, that, oh my goodness, this call with Ukraine, we have to impeach, and we did that forever. And, and then miss- now... So it was like you mispronounced Colonel Vinman, but anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> and and then whistleblowers had to be protected at all costs. My God, we have to protect the whistleblower, the whistleblower, this brave person. And now you've got a guy who works for the post office going, "Hey, I saw uh, election tampering," and they're like, "What's this dude's name? Where does he live? Send in some agents to question him. Get the New York Post in there. He'll recant." It's just. We can't uh, uh, function like this as a society. But here's the good news. Uh, I, the way I figure it, no matter what else happens, no matter how it shakes out, we just have to continue to raise such a stink that we will get uh, voter ID. We will get voter ID. That's going to be my, my, my life's well, work. My life's work will be voter ID. We have it in Georgia. Woo! And Georgia is where it's all going down. We're going to talk more about uh, Dominion. We're going to talk uh, more about uh, the media and censorship and uh, and Georgia and all this stuff. Hang in there. We got an interview. And I got with- some inside scoop, too. I love inside scoop. All right. So hang in. Uh, we got uh, we got Paul Hare. He's going to be uh, joining us. We're going to talk about his books and and why you write, what you write, and all that good stuff. And then we will be back with more election shenanigans. Mm-hmm.
ready to stand out, Army ROTC prepares you not only as a college student, but as a strong leader, allowing you to earn the rank of second lieutenant. You will be eligible for full tuition, merit-based scholarships, and develop leadership skills essential for your future. Start strong and enhance your college experience. Visit your campus Army ROTC representative today. To find out how you can earn up to a full tuition scholarship, visit GoArmy.com podcast to locate your closest ROTC program today. Army officers inspire strength in others. Paid for by the United States Army. This is Derek's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. After the third time jump-starting my car, I finally realized my battery was dying. So I stopped by O'Reilly to have it checked. They tested it right there in the parking lot. It was bad, real bad. But they helped me find the right battery for my car and even installed it for free. Now my car starts like new. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We are joined now uh, by all-around phenomenal dude. He's an author. He is a contributor to theloftestparty.com. We got Paul Hare on the other end of the telephonic device. Paul, how you doing, buddy? Michael, that's a great introduction, and I'm glad to be here. <laughs> well, it's all it's all downhill from here. I'm, that's right. That's all I that's... can do is is introductions. <laughs> Hey, you, this is what I always say is you want to underachieve early in life because you never want to peak when you're coming right out of college or anything like that, because yeah, after yeah. that, it's all downhill. Yeah, it's like it's like sales. You under promise and hopefully over deliver. If no one expects anything from you, then any kind of accomplishment uh, stands out as as a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so I gotta we gotta we gotta get into this here. You have how many how many books? And I'm gonna I'm, and I wanna I wanna include uh, the the shorts and the novellas and all this. How many how many books have you written, guy? I'd say around five now. I think there's slightly more than that. I don't really talk about the two earlier ones. There's nothing wrong with them from a story standpoint. They were just earlier efforts and not the greatest writing. So I would say about four. In the fiction category, which is what I focus on now, and I have one nonfiction book out there. Ooh, what's the uh, what's the nonfiction? The nonfiction book was published back in 2016, and notice I said 2016, not 2016. Everybody needs to start going into the 2016 now. Oh, you've uh, made the move. You've made the move into the 20s. Right. I didn't. I didn't. I never said we're now in 1984. So I don't say we're in 2016. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Paul, Paul McCartney and Wings. Uh, said 1984. Well, I guess they're they're allowed to get away with it. Then. <laughs> they're the one. All right. So so the the nonfiction uh, piece. What what was that all about? And what's I the title the of it? I was the ghost on that. Matt Barber wrote it. It's called "Hating Jesus: The American Left's War on Christianity." It's become highly relevant again. So if you want to go to Amazon, search for that by the title or by my name and pull up my Amazon author page. You will find not just that book. But my fiction books as well. Warning, though, the fiction books in some cases are very different than my nonfiction. Um, the appalling story series, which yeah. are those are anthologies, great books. They're for mature audiences. My books, my stories in them are probably rated anywhere from PG to maybe a maybe R. I would say PG thirteen. But there's some other stories in there which are for a mature audience. So I want to give everybody a heads up. Not to say you should avoid them. In fact. Go read them. Go read particularly, uh, go buy Appalling Stories 4 particularly because that's one of my favorite stories yet that I wrote for that one. Wow. Now, how many how many volumes of uh, Appalling Stories were there? And how thrilled were you with that title as your name, Paul Hare, Appalling Stories? Yeah, I never even <laughs> thought about that, but that's right. There's technically four books in the series. The third volume is not an anthology, but a, a straight out novel or novella. I guess it's closer to a novella. And that was written by Ray Zasek. He was a contributor to the other anthologies as well, but he just wrote that one on his own. Um, and I guess Dave Dubrow helped him with it. I don't know if his name's on the book itself, but I know he helped out with that. 
But um, so there's three anthologies in the Impali story series. And, and for all the anthologies, I contributed stories to them. Actually, it was Dave, me and Ray that started it off. And that's really where I got into fiction writing. And that's also where I decided, you know what, this is the better way to go. No more nonfiction stuff for me. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I want to talk about I want to talk about that choice. So I'm going to circle back around to that point that that choice uh, to fiction with with appalling stories. How did that start? What was the what was the genesis of that? Dave contacted me again, Dave Dubrow. You can go to Amazon, search for his name and find all his books, too. Or you can find it, his name off of my page because he contributed to the appalling story series. But it's basically was a social media thing where he found some of my work on social media or on a website, contacted me. We ended up talking and found that we had a lot in common. And he pitched the idea of, why don't we go ahead? He knew Ray, so we brought him in. The three of us got together, did some stories. Dave helped me out on learning how to hone my craft of fiction writing, since it's a lot different than nonfiction. And it worked out well enough that we put together some sequels. So so with a, so would you... Say it's more like uh, like like Black Mirror in a way, or, or Twilight Zones in terms of like here's a possible future and here's a story from these possible different scenarios. It could be compared to that. Some of those are what if scenarios. We did not limit ourselves to that. Some of them are set in today and here and now, and then there's another other era stories are set in here's a possible future. Some are more far out than others. Um, I have a I have a superhuman story in the first uh, appalling story series, not superhero, superhuman. And yeah. you can read that to see why. Sure. But we wanted to kind of be like the older uh, stories, pulp stories, where it was just kind of a harder uh, story uh, type of story. And it was stuff that you can't say anymore in our, our new brave new world, where now everything has to be filtered through critical race theory, feminism. And you know where I'm going with this. So everything else, I don't have to state the stuff. That you can't <laughs> yeah, the the list the list of uh, of taboos, the list of things you can't talk about anymore, the list of things where you're going to get in trouble if you, you know, even say something or suggest something. It is. It feels like we're getting closer and closer to an actual. We're going to be living uh, an episode of 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 Black Mirror or or, or 1984. So. Uh, appalling stories. It's that's you and 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 Dave Dubro and 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 another guy. And so you write this first. It's just a, a series of shorts. Would you would you call it or novellas? What would you? No, they were shorts. They're, they're anthologies. They're all they're all short stories. I think for the first one, we each pitched in uh, five. I guess it was around five stories each. It might have been less than that, but yeah. it, it was all short stories, easy enough to read each story in one sitting. That's all we that's all we wanted to do. I kind of liked it because it gives you a, an opportunity to tell multiple stories just like that. Whereas um, if you're writing a novel, you're going to be spending a lot of time on one story for a long, long time. So I had right. a bunch of different ideas. I wanted to go out and do anything, anything from science fiction to real world settings, too. So my my view is or what I like to do doesn't it doesn't stretch into say. Um, so are you a science fiction writer? No, I'm not a science fiction writer. I like all different types of genres. Yeah. And that's, that's what really appealed to me. And it was also something where the way I look at it too is get that out there. You need to, you can't make money off your writings if you don't publish. So getting a short stories collection there and something we could publish and get out there was attractive to me as well. Yeah. And like I said, if you, I, I don't, I don't think you've had an opportunity to read the last volume, but if you pick up that volume, and you read my story in there, I guarantee you, the audience, as well as you, Michael, will like that story. Because it takes the, an adventure story that seems like you've read before, and it goes in a different direction in the end. And I like that story a lot, and everybody else will, too. That's awesome. Now, let me let me ask you this. Uh, with, with, the, with the appalling stories and with the short stories, because... Uh, I'm I'm hopefully hopefully we're always learning. Hopefully we're always trying to get better at our craft and all that, blah, 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 blah. I'll I'll find myself doing this with like a with like a a joke or a premise. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to burn that yet. I don't want to use that idea yet because it's gonna go X, Y, and Z. Have you put anything into the appalling stories or a, a, a series of shorts 
where you kind of regret it. You're like, oh, wow, I wish I hadn't have written that because I want to blow that up into its own novel. Or is that like a good thing? You know, like, okay, this is where I discovered this character in this world. Now I can really, you know, flesh it out. Second option. I think that's the, the option that I like because there's a story. My earlier stories, because they were newer, which is actually a good thing because, like you said, you want to improve over time. So you should look back at your earlier stories and say, here's what I could have done better. Because if, if yeah. you don't, then you got to say, well, wait a minute. I guess I'm not improving. So for me, that's another thing that's attractive about the short story is – okay, I wrote it and there's different things I'd like to do with it. Well, good. Now I can go and I take it and maybe I blow it up into a novel or I look at it kind of like it, the way comic book books are. When you look at the history of comic books, the characters, they'll tell the stories over and over again and they refine them until you get a solid story uh, story out of it. So um, I think it's a good, good thing just to tell it to um, because don't save anything for the future because you don't know if there's going to be a future. So right. if you have it and you think it's going to make a story, get it out there now. So, so is there anything that you used in an appalling story that you think you'll go back to and go, okay, I, I want to write a whole novel about this. The reason I ask, the reason I ask, and this is for uh, all of our listeners and I'm going to let my total uh, nerd flag fly on this one. I just uh, dipped into the. I knew The Witcher was a very successful video game. Uh, I saw the The Witcher series. I want to say it's on Amazon. Maybe it's Netflix. I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed that. So I do. In doing a little bit of research, the guy who invented The Witcher, who created that world and did all that, it was a series of short stories. And then uh, what he did is, I guess he enjoyed writing the uh, the first short story so much that like the second one. While seemingly different, it was set in the whole in the world, and so he did like a ser- uh, uh, I think he did like two books of short stories, but they were all like part of a a greater novel and a greater thread and a bigger story. And then finally, he's like, okay, The Witcher's going to get his own book in like uh, volume three, which was actually like the first novel, and it wasn't a series of shorts. So that's why, like, I just want to know if you've. Have you invented a character? Have you invented a reality where you where you think, okay, this one I want to go back and revisit? Yes, the story I mentioned with the superhuman characters, I've the world that I call that or the universe I call that is mortal gods. In other words, they have godlike powers, but they're still human. They're mortal, and that's the one that I've already done a lot of outlining, a, do, a decent amount of character creation, and. There's definitely additional short stories I would like to tell, as well as full-length novels. And who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with the future of the Loftus Party? If we get some things going there, I might be able to get some stuff published through there. We'll see. I don't know. Oh, um, you will, buddy. <laughs> and if Amazon, depending on how long I have until all of big tech bans me from everything and I'm not even allowed to use a phone anymore, maybe I'll get some stuff published on Amazon, too. Yeah, okay, so this is where it's a phenomenal segue. So you say that you made the transition from nonfiction to fiction. So how what was the what was the impetus of that? What why why did you make that switch? Because we are saturated with nonfiction stuff. We have way too much in what people I now it's gonna get a little bit tricky here. What, okay. people, what people would refer to as conservatism. I no longer consider myself a conservatism. I don't want to get into that. All I can say is that conservatism is no different than progressivism to me. But anyway, wow. what I'll say is that uh, we have way too much people trying to fight in the arena of nonfiction where that's not where you win battles. You win battles and you change people's hearts and minds through culture. You don't change them through writing a white paper for National Review. Um, you change it by writing a book. People don't talk about, oh, man, did you see that? Did you read that, that white paper from National Review in 1998? That changed, my, that, that changed my mind and it sticks with me to this day. No, they talk yeah. about Star Wars. Star Wars is 40 years old and people are still talking about it and obsessed with it. And you don't. And if people think, well, that doesn't really affect how we think and, and behave – People are crazy if you think if they think that. That's where you make a difference in changing things. That was a big impetus to me. And to be perfectly honest, 
I've long liked fiction. The only reason I was doing nonfiction stuff is because when you get uh, into the real world, you're told that's how things change. And it took me a long time to figure out that was wrong. And we've now reached the point also where, you know what? There's nothing more for me to do in the nonfiction realm anyway. So try to get into fiction. Um, try to make a little money off that. And definitely have some fun as well. I think it's uh, I think it's fantastic. And and I couldn't agree with you more. It's like you are at this this part of the interview. You you're you're preaching to the choir. I've always I've always said that it's like one political party is better at making emotional messages, even if even if their their programs and their policies aren't paying off. They're like, oh, but we're trying. Look, don't you want to help these? Don't you want to help these people? And and you you're painted as some monster if you're not willing to you know throw a trillion dollars away. That's not ultimately going to solve the problem. And I and I completely uh, agree with people. People quote Star Wars. People, you can see how pop culture directly influences uh, the politics of things. So. Uh, wh- what is on the horizon for you? What's what's the biggest? I know I have my thoughts on this of like what we need to be uh, aware of and like uh oh like if we're going down the if if America is going down a river on a raft there's there's big rocks that are coming up and for me uh, I know what I'm what I'm going to say but what do you think is the the biggest hurdle on the horizon? What's the big thing that we need to be aware of? I would be surprised if Biden gets away with stealing the election that we would even have to worry about elections in the future, meaning it's obvious that they're stealing. They're attempting to steal the election. And people could talk about statistics and models and all that. But the big way you see that is all the states that Trump was winning in on election day, they stopped counting. They just stopped. And then miraculously, like you see in some third world country, Oh, we found a bunch of votes and they're all for Biden. That's all you need to know that they stole the election or that they're attempting to steal the election. People will deny it. Every single talking head on the media and and, uh, and progressivism and conservatism will say, no, 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 no. There's no evidence of voter, voter fraud. There's no evidence of election theft. That's going to be pounded into, into our heads. And if you've watched what happened during Trump's presidency when, AK, when in theory we had the power, we were beaten and murdered in the streets by mobs all on, you know, run by Democrat governors and cities. It was done in the open. And what were we told the whole time? Peaceful protest. They engaged a coup for four years. They created a whole uh, lie about Russians. They created in um, in concert with the Chinese this Wuhan virus lockdown, which killed the economy and then allowing them to do whatever they want. This is all when we're in power. What do you think is going to happen if Biden gets away with stealing an election? People have no idea what's coming if that occurs. You think we're going to be able to fight this in the legislature or in the courts? They don't care about any of that stuff. And right now you're even seeing what? They're pressuring people, law firms, law firms, Michael, who represent everybody up to and including terrorists from dropping Trump, the president of the United States, as a client. If they're yes. getting away with that stuff now, do you think there's going to be lawyers representing anybody when they beat us in the street and Biden's president? That's not going to well, happen. Well, it's to me, president. I- to me, and 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 I'm going to get into this uh, on on uh, the the podcast with with the Gimlet about Dominion voting systems and signs, all that stuff, and and Sidney Powell, uh, who works for the president, saying that she has the goods, she has the proof. So we're going to be we're going to be waiting on that. But for me, and I think we're both we're 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 on the same page here. With it is the media, and I would even say this to my friends on the left. It's just this. It's the lack of curiosity. You know, they, this, they're they willing to do whatever they can. It's like, oh, we got to get rid of him. You know, we got to get, we got to, uh, Ronald Reagan, he's the worst, he's the worst, he's the worst. Oh, George Bush, he's the worst, he's the worst, he's the worst. It's uh, The media always claims to be this uh, protector of, uh, you know, of the, you know, we're the guardians of the fourth estate and blah, blah. But they only seem to do that when there's a, uh, a, a Republican in the White House, and that's what—that's what really has me concerned. It's like if you're a casual, if you're just a casual, you, you're a guy. You've got a job. Your wife, she's working her tail off. You've got family. You think you're going to be informed, so you're like, you know what? I only have a few minutes. I'm going to dip into CNN. 
or I'm going to dip into MSNBC. And and they're putting a slant on anything. I got I don't blame the the, the poor schmuck working his tail off. It's like the media ha- has failed to do in their their job. They're not they have they've they've picked uh, a winner and they've picked a loser and they're not they're not being shy about it. I just what is the best way to tackle that in in a in a piece of fiction? Is it like uh, do you remember a movie called The Parallax View? I remember it. I don't think I watched it. What what decade is that movie from? It's it's from the it's from the seventies. It's Warren Beatty, and he's like this reporter. It was, it was back in the seventies. It was very popular uh, to have your hero die at the end. The Parallax View. Warren Beatty finds out someone's going to try to kill. I think it's a senator or the president. Uh, and he's hot on the story and no one will believe him and he, he's going to go and he's going to stop the assassination and then they just make it look like Warren Beatty did it. And then that's the end of the movie. Bum, bum, bum. But it was about the media and not listening and a, and a search for the truth. But it was just like a horribly depressing, <laughs> horribly depressing end. So I just don't know if you're going to. Uh, and this is like a writer's workshop right now. Uh, this is suddenly evolved into a thing. Like, how do you, what would be the best way to, to, because you know, I don't think you want to preach to the choir. You want to, you want to, you want, you want the people on the left to get curious. You want those people who like, oh, CNN and all these other outlets, they're just telling the truth and they're nonpartisan. How would you go about doing that in a book? Well, that brings me to my latest book. It's actually a novella for young mm. adults. And it's called Her True Self. I'll say that again. Her True Self by Paul Hare. Go to Amazon and look it up. It's for young adults, but parents, you need to read it. And I'll I'll go into a little bit about it right now. It was actually featured on Ace of Spades Sunday morning book thread. You're familiar with Ace of Spades, of course. Yeah, we got them on the, they're always at theloftestparty.com. Yes. And and a guy goes by the the name of Oregon Muse. He does the Sunday morning book thread. So he featured this new book of mine back on October 11th. So if you go to the Sunday morning book thread on October 11th at Ace of Spades, you can read what he wrote up about it. And what it's about, there's elements of being of a coming of age story in there because it's about a, a, a boy who's just turned 18 and just graduated from high school. But it's also... The theme I would say that is the biggest theme is how do you do what's right when everybody else wants to do what's wrong? And what it is, it's about a boy whose sister has come out and said, I'm actually really a boy. So you got to so it deals with the issue of transgenderism. Wow. But it's not a sermon about it. And here's how Oregon Muse described it. This is not the usual stunning and brave protagonist comes out story that you might expect. It's quite different. And actually, let me see. I, have to, I lost my place. Oh, and you'll find it. Here it is. He said, I'm reading it right now, and the gender-confused teenage girl has a brother who would do anything to help her. His love for her is quite touching. So it's a story th- that deals with modern issue without preaching. Sometimes people say with, oh, when you write a story, you can't, in, you know, you don't do include anything political or controversial. You can't do that. You can't get away from the issues that are out there today in the real world. So I wrote about it and I wrote a story about it. Not not something that's going to make people think that they're reading a white paper. People will enjoy it. It draws you in. It makes you want to turn the page and get to the end. So this is a, a book, like I said, that Ace of Speeds, Oregon Muse, gave it a thumbs up. Parents nice. definitely need to read it and then they can give it to their kids as well. I would encourage Everybody listen to this uh, this uh, podcast to get it, to guarantee you're going to like it, guarantee it's not going to be what you think it is, and guarantee that you will be both entertained, but it's also going to tug at your heart as well. Um, definitely want to get that. And that goes to your question of, well, how do you reach people in today's culture? This is how you do it. Write about stuff. And you got to be bold in what you believe. That's another thing. People want to tell you that, well – you got to tone down things or you don't want to talk about this or you don't want to talk about that. I reject that. I think you do have to go and you have to be very confident and assertive in what you want to believe. And as soon as I saw this year, all these riots and insurrections occurring in the city, and then people threw them billions of dollars, man, that made me believe more than ever that uh, we're not being quite assertive enough in what we believe. 
Wow, Paul, dude, I I dig it. I really, really dig it, uh, and I agree. Uh, fantastic. Everybody, Her True Self is the new book from uh, our buddy Paul Hare. Google that sucker. Go ahead and, and get that. Paul, they, uh, that's at Amazon, and where else can they get it, Paul? That's where you can get it. That Get it at Amazon. I guarantee you, even if people like, oh, I don't want to talk about this issue or I'm all for it, you're going to like the book regardless of what you believe about the issue. It's done well. I'm saying that because I'm the author, but I've had other people tell me it as well. That's this is great. what you want to read. I have parents out there saying, I want to get something for my kids, but everything you know is R-rated now. This is a clean book. There's nothing in there like that. The appalling stories are all rated stories. This is not. It's a clean book. It's easy to read. Get it. Fantastic. You guys, uh, Paul, thanks for joining us. Make sure you pick up uh, Appalling Stories. They got four volumes of that. Also pick up Her True Self. Dude, thank you so much. Have a great day, and I, w- I will see you back at, at theloftestparty.com. Thanks, Michael. Loved it. All right. We'll have you back on soon. Thanks, buddy. If you prefer real mornings, shouldn't you have a real breakfast? At McDonald's, we get real about breakfast. That's why you can have a savory sausage biscuit with delicious hash browns for only $1.50. It's time to wake up breakfast. Single item at regular price. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. There's nothing more predictable in life than the unexpected. Lightning will always strike. Hail will fall on roofs. Fortunately, there's AAA. AAA has been helping members stay prepared for over a hundred years. So when unusual storms, fallen debris, or sudden leaks happen, you'll be covered. Check, check, and check. Get the home and auto insurance you need by talking with a AAA insurance agent today. Visit AAA.com slash insurance or stop by your local AAA store. That was my buddy, Paul Hare. Um, I like that guy. I like that dude. And in case I didn't plug it enough, make sure you get uh, Appalling Stories. uh, Pick those up. And also get Paul's new one, Her True Self. Her True Self and Appalling Stories. All right. So we're getting back into uh, the politics and the geekiness of it all. Bang, bang, bang. And the peaceful transition of power. The peaceful. You'd think this president, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what's going on. And all about Georgia. At the end of the A block, ladies and gentlemen, the gimlet promised us a little inside scoop. And I claim to love the inside scoop, and I wasn't lying. Hook me up, woman. Well, see, I have this theory. Ooh, ooh. Now, is this a scoop or a theory? Well, I have a theory. The scoop comes after I explain my theory and why I find this distressing. Uh-oh. So okay. the, my theory is the parties are realigning. The Democrats are no longer the party of the working class. They're the party of the very rich and the very poor. They took Wall Street donations nine to one. Okay. okay? Yes. The Republicans under Donald Trump have become the party of people who make between fifty and $250,000 a year. And there's a lot of those people. Y'all. We still care about tax cuts. Wall Street doesn't. Um, So, except the party leadership doesn't recognize this. And what I am hearing from some folks I met with on my way down here um, is that the, uh, the Lincoln Project neocon contingent is coming for Ronna McDaniel. Now, how can they how can they come for her? Like, are they going to just because character there's assassination? There's 168 people that select the RNC chair. Okay. If they have enough of those 168 people, then they can boot her. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see and then we would end up with some, you know, Rens Priebus kind of, bleh, mm-hmm. and we would go back to. 
a party leadership that believes we're the party of big business and we're not. Yes, this is um, I'm glad you brought it up. So so that's that was the inside scoop that they're going to come gunning for yeah, Ronald McDaniel. What I'm being told is after the Georgia runoffs, you know how the Democrats are having like a pretty open civil war in their party. Yeah. I'm told after the Georgia runoff, there's going to be one on the Republican side. Well, here is the way, and that makes that makes sense to me. Like some some things, it's just like your gut tells you. Now, maybe it's emotional thinking or whatever, or maybe it's emotional intelligence. I don't know. I don't know. I, I frankly don't, don't care. But what my gut tells me, and this is how it lines up, the government is wasteful. That's where I stand politically. The government is mm-hmm. wasteful. It's too big. The federal government, big government, state government, blah, blah, blah. It's just too big. They waste too much money. So they want to protect that. I, I think I think uh, D.C. Uh, voted for Biden like 95, 96 percent. So, of course they did. It's so job that, security. Exactly. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and that's And that is the problem. That is the problem. It's job security. Then you have the people entrenched on the right who are like, okay, I was a, you know, a staffer under George Bush, and then I was a blah, blah, blah under George Bush too, and then I'm going to keep doing this, and I'll keep doing that, and there's job security, and they're going to keep going up the line, and then as they work their way up to, you know, to more power, then they get the inside scoop, and they can do inside trading, and they can make money off government contracts, and they can get their piece of this big giant pile of money that mm-hmm. they keep forgetting comes from the American taxpayer. That's the swamp. That's the swamp. That's what we talk about when, yep. uh, when, we, when we talk about the swamp. And, and, and that's Trump, why they hate Donald Trump. Yes. He upset the, most, the apple cart. The most accurate thing Donald Trump ever said, and he really started hammering on this at the end of this campaign, was... They come after me because they hate you. Yes. Yeah. And like if if the existing parties do not transition into what they actually are, (laughs) um, they're going to get broken. They're just not going to hang together. I, well, you know, you know that I did not vote for Donald Trump in 2016 because there were certain things, if you were on the right, that were sort of like religion, right? Yeah, yeah. You had kind of religious political beliefs. I didn't believe in tariffs. I thought they were a terrible idea. Uh, you know, um, it, it just a bunch of stuff right down the line, okay? And then I saw what actually happened, and I'm like a convert now. Yes. Like, why did we, like, I guess I've shifted, my primary principles used to be pretty concrete in policy, now they're more ideas. I believe a healthy democracy requires a a prosperous and, and satisfied middle class. You can't have democracy without it, because you know where that doesn't exist? It doesn't exist in California. That's yeah. what progressive policies do. It wipes out the middle class. I believe the Republican Party has to start believing that as well and focus their policies on making sure that those folks have opportunities, that those folks have wage growth, that those folks can buy a house, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if that doesn't happen, those people are for either party and they're going to do something completely different. Yeah, that's a uh, that's kind of a uh, a doomsday scenario. Which which mm-hmm. we have to play out. We have to play out. Well, because I just don't think the Republican establishment, the Republican st- establishment, hates the working and middle class just as much as the Democrats do at this point. I always go back to this. You know, when we talk about Hunter Biden's laptop and what, why is Hunter Biden, you know, why what gives him, why is he on a, a gas natural gas board? Blah blah blah. Don't forget that it was uh, George W. that put Hunter Biden. On the board of directors of Amtrak, what did he? What mm-hmm. did he? What did he have? What did he know about trains? It's it's he like, rode that's, them. That's yeah. That's that's the swamp, and people always tell they you that, actually said that when they announced him. 
That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Oh, dear God. It was in, I think it was a Washington Post article because I looked it up and they're like, well, he's ridden the train a lot. He'll be an asset. He'll really? be great. He's the everyman's point of view. I don't want to forget to bring up this. There's so much, there's so much stuff that I don't want to forget to bring up. There's a uh, uh, another member of the swamp who was our ambassador to Syria or in some high level. Uh, he was in, he was in charge of Syria, and he was recently it quoted in a magazine. Uh, I forget. I want to say, oh my gosh, I can't. Remember. But he admitted to lying to Trump. He admitted to lying to Trump and the American people about the real number of U.S. troops in Syria, that they would just make up stuff. It was like it was a shell game when Trump would go, hey, like, listen, we, we, we don't need that many people in Syria. Let's get them out. Oh, yeah, you're, you're right. We did that. We did that. Just outright lying to the commander in chief about the number of U.S. troops in Syria and now bragging about it, how he tricked. Um, how, he needs to go to jail. It's it's. <laughs> It's unbelievable. And in any other news um, cycle, it would be it would be ginormous. It was it was can shocking. You, can you imagine if somebody had done that to President Obama? Well, I, I, I if they had, yeah, they'd be drawn and quartered and, and thrown exactly. In the stockade. But the thing that offends me is the way our troops deplo- are deployed and where they're deployed is the decision of the people we elect. Not the bureaucracy. That's, yeah, that's... We have a civilian military for a reason. And it's controlled by the people we elect. Not a bureaucracy. Exactly. So and that's the that military-industrial the... complex that Eisenhower was warning people about. All I'm saying is that individual betrayed every single American voter. Because what it proved is our elected officials do not run our our foreign policy which is which can't happen it can't happen well it looks like it is happening and i and hopefully people care i saw the reason i the reason i found out about it is like molly hemingway mm-hmm. uh, put out a tweet about it and tim pool put out a tweet about it and so <clears throat> of course i did a story about it at the loftusparty.com cuz this is that whole New media bandwagon. You guys who are who are listening, uh, drop me a line. Let me know in the comment section at, at uh, on the website. Like, who else should we be amplifying? Frickin', if you if you listen to the show and you've listened to it for a long time, first of all, you're awesome and and I love you and you look great. Second of all, you know that we've been ahead of this stuff. It's always and I don't want to not to toot our own horn, but like Ben Shapiro finally tweeted the other day, you know what? We need to support new media. Well, welcome aboard, Ben. You're a smart guy. You're a good guy. I want to amplify everybody's voice. That's that's what will get rid of this uh, legacy media, this this horrible crap. Uh, you I, I hear? Guess, what, what? Rumor on the street is CNN is up for sale. Uh, I bet it is. I bet it is because Zuckerberg thinks that his life's work has been accomplished to end the the presidency uh, of Donald Trump. I, I bet he does. I bet he does want to sell it. I thought you had. I thought you had a, a real. No, it's real owned by AT and T. Uh, well, uh, I'm sure they're looking at the ratings and thinking it's it's about to go way downhill because they're not going to. Uh, they wouldn't treat Joe. There's not going to talk be, about. Yeah, there's not there's not going to be anything salacious about uh, Donald Trump. Oh, holy smoke! That's what I was talking about. I was on TMZ. It's going to be part of their uh, holiday special. But I was talking about how comics uh, are going to treat, and they're like, "Oh, this is going to be good for you if you have Joe Biden in the White House." And I'm like, "Eh, I mean, you can make joke fun of Joe for a little bit. I'm already writing my Kamala Harris jokes." Okay, I I, I want to give this some real time. Uh, we got to talk about Dominion Software. This happened today as we record this. Uh, there's a woman. I'm guessing she's a lawyer. She works for uh, the, the Trump administration, Sidney Powell. And yeah, she also is General Flynn's lawyer. She used to be a, um, a uh, U.S. attorney down in Texas. She is saying, and she said this on Mornings with Maria, that she has proof that she wouldn't talk about anything that she couldn't prove and that Dominion software 
had because you keep hearing about these glitches. Oh, there was a glitch here that accidentally flipped these votes from uh, Trump to Biden. Oh, well, that was in Michigan. Oh, there was one over here uh, and this other part. And oh, it flipped these votes. She was asserting that this was completely on purpose. She's talking about uh, scorecard and hammer and how Dominion voting systems have this. It's a built in glitch to where. The deep state and certain bad actors can manipulate the vote counts, and she is talking about she has proof, and that she wouldn't say anything on TV that she could not 100% prove. I got completely excited, because no one in the media is talking about Dominion voting systems. And if you go back, and if you want to just have fun and go, ooh, ooh, you can go back and look at the Huffington Post and uh, Amy Klobuchar and Elizabeth Warren and a bunch of people on the left had real problems with Dominion voting systems. And there was flaws, there's design flaws, there's software flaws. So they hated these systems uh, a couple years ago, but now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe them. So you guys, the, the media loves to go, oh, it needs to be a pa peaceful transfer of power, and this is embarrassing for the president. Will he try to leave, and will we need to send in the National Guard? No one's talking about Dominion voting systems, except for a handful of people. But everything they're saying is hitting home. And you can look at live footage of, of vote tally switches on like the, like during the broadcast of CNN. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, Trump's number of votes in his state go down and Biden's go up. And it's by the exact same number. It's like 19,583, something like that. I Keep your eye on Sidney Powell. Keep your eyes on that. Yup, I think that people, you know, ran ballots through multiple times. I don't think they made changes on the signature matching and all that stuff. And they dialed down the machines where it didn't have to be accurate to 80%, accurate to 40%. There's all kinds of, it's a hydra. There's much different, uh, there's things going on at the one at one time. But Dominion is the one that I'm keeping my eye on. Because that's the one where you could, you could be certain of the results when all these places well, oh we're all we're all tallying the votes we're tallying the votes trump is in the lead okay we're gonna take a break we're gonna take a break in all these different states and then all of a sudden woohoo look at this joe biden in a crazy upset he took the lead that's the part that just looks shady as all get out gimlet i agree and as i understand it there have been assertions, and I have to look into this, so just keep your ear to the ground, that there's an algorithm within the Dominion system that allows for weighted voting. And you do those in parliament, you do weighted votes in parliamentary systems. It should never be turned on in a United States election because we're not a parliamentary system. And that the way they're seeing vote switching happen, according to a couple statistical analysis indicates that that algorithm in certain places was on. Well, I saw, I, I, I bet that is very true. I watched a video on uh, YouTube that was made several years ago. This woman's like mm -hmm. how to hack, how to hack a dominion voting machine in under two minutes. Wow. And she turns it on and she presses a button like, yep, running. Uh, and then you reach into the side and it's like taking an air filter out of a furnace. She takes out the, the main computer card, you know, the mm -hmm. motherboard. She unplugs it. The machine's like, hey, you need to plug that card back in. And she's like, reboot. The machine reboots, starts back up. And then and then they're like, uh-oh, it looks like a piece of software is, uh, is missing. Are you an admin? And she's like, yes, I'm an admin. And then... You put the card back in. The machine is like, okay, there's the card. What else would you like to do, system administrator? Well, I need to get into these folders uh, for vote counts. Okay, where else do you want to go? So, and it, it all took under two minutes. So there's a uh, there's a lot there's a lot to to unpack, and I'm just hoping that uh, it looks like you know what you know what it feels like to me. It feels like remember when the when Dan Rather had the oh here's the document 
here's the document that shows that George Bush uh, tried to get out of, you know, doing flights in Vietnam or whatever. And then someone on the Internet was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They didn't have that font. I'm getting that same vibe. There's so many tech people on Twitter who are going, I looked at this system. I ran the data. Here's the glitch. There's an MIT guy going, this doesn't make any sense. This is no good. There's just multiple, multiple learned people saying that that there's no way that you've got a problem. And what that would mean for our republic, I don't even know. I don't even know. Okay, so uh, we got to talk about Elon Musk, the lockdowns, and all that. Here's, here's the little teaser on this. Elon Musk, you guys got uh, four COVID tests, and he got two positive and two negative. It was the sh- same machine. It was the same nurse. It was the same same everything, but it was split 50-50 after four tests. And uh, so Elon Musk is dubious of the old uh, COVID-19 testing. It looks like we're uh, going to be staring down uh, lockdown part deux. We're going to be talking about that. We got to talk. We got the Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. I got to. I, I'm I'm sorry that this 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 stuff. We'll figure it out next week. I'll keep I'll keep uh, the geek talk in the actual bulk of the, the the podcast. But you guys, this one we ran out of clock on this one. So, God, thank you for for listening. I got another email from Chartable. We're doing good. We're doing good, and that's because you guys. Uh, you're going. You're leaving reviews. You're dropping some stars. You're telling your friends about it. Uh, so. I, I can't thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough. Gimlet and I are going to continue this conversation over on the Patreon side. It's not that hard. Go to go to Patreon, sign up, and you'll get you'll get the extra segment. Uh, we like to give back. The Patreon people have been doing so great. The plan is working. So for our regular listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you. Always go to theloftestparty.com for all your updates and fun and news and great stuff oh i'm addicted to uh cooking in an iron skillet i've got a couple of uh, barbecue dudes i cannot share their videos enough but i'm i'm heavy into the food now maybe i'm getting fat for hibernation all right you guys are awesome thank you so much go on over to patreon and check out the rest of the show